The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 160. New iPhone hardware and software, Senators targeting carrier exclusivity, and another update for the Palm Pre. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. And first today, of course, thanks to our sponsor, Netflix. Help support the Cell Phone Junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans starting at $4.99 per month with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways and free delivery in about one business day. And of course, you can cancel anytime. And as a bonus to those DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet at no extra charge. You can sign up for your free trial over at thecellphonejunkie.com by clicking on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Joey and I appreciate your support. Well, what can you expect for next week's show? If you hadn't been uh, listening and kind of picking up on some of the things here, I am actually going to be taking a vacation, and a quite a lengthy vacation, about 10 days total, and uh, we will have a show next week. It is going to be something that is pre-recorded, so just want everybody to know that, but it's going to be extra special. We're going to be talking about a few different types of topics as well as the regular news devices and software, so you're not going to want to miss that one. That'll be, of course, show number 161, available next weekend uh, at the end of June. Also this week, I had a the opportunity to review yet another product from YX. YX. This was the ZBoost YX510 signal booster, and the review uh, is up, of course, over at thecellphonejunkie.com. And uh, like the review that I did last week on the YX230, the 510 is indeed a signal-enhancing product. This one, however, is for your home or your office, and it is uh, about $400. You can get it online, and uh, the great thing about it is it's very, very flexible. You can uh, put it uh, basically in a configuration that works for you. So what it, what it does is it has an external antenna that gets mounted either on the outside of a building or if you've got an area of, let's say, your home or office that is close to an exterior wall that you know you have decent service at, you can install that antenna there. Then a 50-foot coax cable comes with it. You route that over to the internal base unit that has an antenna on it and plug it into the wall, just a regular AC adapter. And uh, just within a few minutes of uh, troubleshooting and putting, uh, basically making sure that everything is connected properly, you've got yourself uh, basically your own little wireless hotspot inside your house. And it works very, very well. I happen to work in an office where any of the 1900 megahertz carriers have uh, relatively poor service. And so I found that uh, Verizon and Altel seem to be okay in there. Those are the two 800 band uh, operators for me. Uh, but Sprint, T-Mobile, and AT&T all uh, seem to, to suffer. And it, it has to do with kind of the construction of the building. And so by installing this in that area, I found uh, myself getting anywhere from uh, 15 to 25 uh, decibel increase in the amount of signal strength that I was getting, which uh, in an in an area where you were, I was well over a hundred. I was like a hundred and two to hundred and five. This actually comes in quite handy and has done really well for me. So I've been very happy with it. So, did you make phone calls and actually try to hold conversations? Did it improve the uh, drop call or the and or the quality of those phone calls? Yep, absolutely. It uh, you know it's it's in my office, and so this is you know one of the, the the great places to put it. And this is something that you know we talk about a lot on the show is when you're looking for a new phone or a new service, make sure that you take a look 
at what we like to call the 90% rule, and that's using your phone in an area uh, or using it in the areas that you spend 90% of your time, which for most people is their home, their office, and that commute in between the two. So uh, it's something that's been frustrating for me to have AT&T, and that's kind of why I think a lot of my my negative uh, comments and stuff come out is because I happen to work in an area, and I I should practice what I preach, so to speak, but uh, this is a way to kind of get around that. And and so uh, what I usually do is I've got whatever AT&T phone that I have uh, in my pocket of my pants, and so um, I'm sitting underneath a desk, and I would say well over 50% of my calls go straight to voicemail if I'm just sitting there at my desk. So oftentimes what I'll do is I'll take it out and put it on the desk, and then at least I can the phone call will come in, I can answer it, and then walk outside or whatever. But uh, it's not perfect. So by installing this, I've, I had it, uh, I've had it in for about the last week. I had a full five days to use it. Had, did not miss one call with it. Um, quality was great. Some of the speeds that I was seeing were, were much better than I had seen before. I mean, it's still anywhere. It's, it's not like super, super fast speeds, but it was somewhere around, you know, 500 kilobits per second, you know, uh, on up. So, I mean, that's, but that's, that's pretty good for AT&T. You briefly touched on it in your review, Mickey, but what is there any user configurable options? Like if you only want to have 1900 or 800 bands, or is it just on or off uh, kind of thing? Well, this particular model, the 510, is specifically a dual band uh, device. You can get, I think it's the YX500, and I believe that one is for the PCS bands only. So if you wanted to just improve uh, that spectrum, you could do that. It is compatible with all networks, this this 510 model, with the exception of Nextel. It doesn't work with the IDEN networks. Um, it supports up to 20 simultaneous connections, which is very, very nice. I mean, to be in, you know in an area that has more than 20 people uh, at the same time. And, and, and the idea is that this is not to enhance the coverage of you know huge buildings. This is for, uh, we'll call it like a pico cell type of area. This is for a 2,500 square foot or, or smaller area. And I would say 2,500 square feet is if you've got it sitting uh, you know, in an area where you've got no walls and, and really no obstructions. I found you know, somewhere probably about half of that. I've got a 1,700 square foot office, and I would say that uh, you know, it's kind of hard to tell in certain areas because it's, it, it's better than others. But um, you know, in my office, in the, the folks that are around me, it, it certainly worked nice. Um, very easy to install too. I mean, it's a simple bracket that you install. If you want to, you know, do a permanent install, screw it to the wall. It's got kind of like a, a tension type clamp that goes on it and it holds it up. It, it works out pretty good. And this is, you know, it's a little pricey, 400 bucks, but you know, for the money, if you, if you need it, this works. That's the thing. Yeah. And it, it's kind of hard to buy something like you. I mean, it's hard to call up Sprint or AT&T and say, come install a better tower at my uh, facility here. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to cost you a little more than $400. <laughs> Yeah, and, and um, you know you but, have to have, you've got a fifty foot cable, so keep that in mind too. You you got to be able to be that close to it. Mickey, I've got another question. What are the lights for on the device? It's got three lights on the front of it. There's one for uh, that's called install. One that's the signal light, and one that's the power light. Obviously, power indicates whether or not it's receiving power, and it actually flashes between uh, green, yellow, and red depending on the. Um, uh, the operation, if you've got normal or abnormal conditions, then there's an install light. And that basically shows the quality of the installation. This is something that you'll have to actually tweak a little bit because believe it or not, there's actually a way that you can install this where the, the signal that you're receiving is actually too strong. So let's say that you um, you put this in an area where the signal that's coming into it is just completely saturating the antenna. It's it's going to really kind of figure out that it's not it's not going to work you know quite right and conversely if the signal is too weak it's not going to work properly either 
Uh, and then finally, uh, the, um, the signal. And uh, the signal indicates the communication between the wireless device and the cellular network. So when you're making a call, the light's kind of sitting there and blinking, and so you can see that it's actually communicating with the cell towers and it's sending and receiving data. So that's kind of cool. So you've got, you've got these different lights, and uh, there's a kind of a matrix in the user guide that comes with it, so you can actually take a look and kind of troubleshoot and figure out what each thing means because, you know, I saw yellow lights on this thing, and I was immediately concerned because I figured, you know, hey, there's something wrong, and really it's just no, that particular series of the way the lights were blinking is how it's supposed to work. So you kind of you kind of have to go and read that and figure it out. Oh, interesting. You know, I'm going to take a one little step back to your office space uh, uh, square footage. That was 1,700 square feet with walls, correct? With like walls. Where there's a few. Yeah, well, there's a few offices. You know, divided uh, divided up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like I said, you're probably looking to to cover about a thousand to 1,500 square feet with walls. And again, just keep in mind the, the location of all this stuff is really going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be factors that adjust that you need to adjust and where you place it and, and, uh, whatnot. So uh, obviously I've got a very simple construction where it's metal studs with dry painted drywall on, on them. And it's, you know, pretty typical for an office, but if you've got masonry or, you know, some sort of, you know, stucco or ephus or something like that, it, your, your mileage may vary. So, yeah, and I'm sure the metal studs don't help either. That's probably a, a, probably a little tough for it. I would I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and and keep in mind too, you got to be careful uh, cuz what when you think about how this thing works is you've got this antenna that's installed that's pulling in the signal from the cell tower and then you've got an antenna that's repeating that signal back. So, you can't have those too close to each other either or the receiving antenna is going to pick up the transmitting antenna and you're, it's going to be useless. And and the phone the the device the, the base unit is actually smart enough to realize that so it won't let a phone connect to it if it's not if it's doing that, it's in this loop where it's basically picking up a signal that's doing nothing. So, um, but uh, anyway, it's it's a really really neat product. Like I said, for four hundred bucks, you can get it over uh, at the at the uh, YX website, and I, I was just very impressed and very happy that I had the opportunity to review this, of course. And then last week we talked about the YX two thirty. But even uh, more exciting about this is that they have agreed to have a contest with us. And, and this is one thing I love about the companies that send us the products is they allow us to give them away. And uh, that's, that's one thing that, that we definitely love to do. So I want to make sure that uh, you know, the stuff that we talk about, we can get out into your hands. So this is going to be very similar to the last contest that we had. And uh, so what you're going to do... Um, if you want to win, the, the winner of this contest gets to choose either the YX510 or the YX230 uh, device. So go and check out thecellphonejunkie.com to read both of those reviews to kind of figure out which one you want. In order to enter, you send a tweet. So make sure you're a user on Twitter. Send a tweet to at Y underscore X. And that is the at symbol and then W I underscore E X. Uh, so that's W I underscore E X and then either Joey or myself, which is, uh, at TCPJ underscore Joey or at TCPJ underscore Mickey. Uh, so if you're kind of confused on what that means, um, you know, basically go in and, and take a look at, uh, Twitter and see how people are sending messages, but at reply to Y X and, uh, both Joey and I, I said, or, but send it to both of us. That'll be even better. So we both get it. Uh, so the three of us in the message that you want to enter this context contest, we're going to have two weeks that you can enter this. Uh, and that is obviously because, uh, next week is we're going to have a show that, uh, is, you know, going to be pre-recorded and we're not going to 
have enough time before you can enter. So the winner will be announced on the July 5th podcast. And like I said, you can choose either the 510 or the 230, and the the uh, the item will be shipped directly to you from YX. Brand new, uh, and it's uh, they're they're great products, and hopefully you can uh, you can uh, use them because they're um, you know it's something something really neat. And if you do need one and you happen to not win the contest, please support the people that are supporting us by by participating in these contests and sending us these devices. And head over and check out the products and see if this is something that could work for you because uh, definitely a very very cool thing. Uh, a couple other things here before we get into the news. Uh, first off, the iPhone 3GS. We're going to talk about it a little later. I do have one here, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. And then last night, there was uh, I sent out a, a, a tweet because there was a Nokia three-hour sale. So between uh, 9 p.m. and midnight central time last night, which was Saturday, June 20th, there was uh, like eight different phones that Nokia was offering at some some pretty nice discounts. Uh, one of them happened to be the Nokia E75. And uh, I, I went and saw it and it was like $260. And I, and Amazing. Just, yeah, 50% off of, of this, this device. And so I, I said, I, I got I to gotta check this one out. I haven't, haven't had a Symbian device since the E71, which I absolutely loved. In fact, the E71 was on there and I almost bought it. And I know one of our listeners, Harry, bought one. He saw my tweet and went on and bought it. But uh, just a real, real good deal. And I, I honestly was, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I ended up getting the overnight shipping and so I should have it here by Tuesday. And so I'll be able to take it uh, with me, hopefully on the trip, hopefully everything works out with the shipping and stuff. So uh, that should be, uh, that should be here. And hopefully I'll have a few minutes to uh, put together some thoughts and be able to do a little write up on it as well, because I know uh, the, the Symbian users out there uh, love these devices and the E-series devices are, are very, very nice. So uh, something, something other, other than that should be fun. So <clears throat> uh, anyway, so those are a couple of phones that, uh, that we'll be talking about too here. Let's jump into the news. First off, uh, senators targeting carrier exclusivity. A number of U.S. senators have asked that the FCC review the practice of exclusive distribution deals between handset makers and wireless network operators. The senators believe that such exclusive deals may harm consumer choice and want the matter explored in detail. The senators group, which includes former presidential candidate John Kerry, filed a letter with the FCC this past week uh, that read, we ask that you examine the issue carefully and act expeditiously should you find that exclusivity agreements unfairly restrict customer choice or adversely impact competition in the commercial wireless marketplace. The senators are going to meet to discuss the legislation further, uh, and uh, we'll find out a little bit more on this. Uh, so basically what that means is that they're going to be taking a look to find out if uh, you know what Apple has done with AT&T, what Palm has done with Sprint, what BlackBerry has done with Verizon, and what Android has done with T-Mobile can, in fact, stand. Well, you know, Mickey, it's 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 kind of like the chicken before the egg thing here. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of good arguments on both sides of this. Uh, and unfortunately, the way that our market is, where we where, where we need thing the, the devices as cheap as possible, this model is not going to change. Unfortunately, because you want to, you know, the consumers want want to pay the lowest possible, you know, price out the door, and we end up paying for it on the back end on on service and or longer contracts. And in order to get these, you know, nice devices made, unfortunately, you have to have these carrier exclusivities because then there's no there's no reason for the company for the manufacturer to develop a very fancy phone that consumers actually want if they're going to have to pay you know one thousand twelve hundred fifteen hundred dollars for them, uh, which I, I would easily imagine if something like this you know uh, became law and you cannot have carrier exclusive agreements, I think we'll have prices like that uh, on devices because. 
you know, you have to work hand in hand with the carrier as well to get them customized mm-hmm. for the particular network as well. So, I mean, obviously GSM, it's not as big of a deal, but there's still a lot of little, there's a lot of little things, uh, you know, with that. And it's, it, it is frustrating to see, you know, carriers, you know, locking up phones like this. Cause I know there's a lot of people out in, in uh, rural areas that want an iPhone and there's no way to get one. Yeah. And this is one of those things where it is, you know, the senators have been urged and uh, obviously we live in a country here in the U.S. that you can actually write your senator if you are interested in, in supporting this. So make sure that you you do that if you you want to uh, if you want them to take a, a hard look at this. Yeah. And obviously on the CDMA side of things, this becomes much more complicated because, uh, you know, the, the way they're, they're programmed, it's not just easy to change to, to move devices to different uh, carriers uh, as far as the consumer goes, obviously, if if you had the BlackBerry Storm, uh, RIM wouldn't be allowed not to sell it to uh, Cricket, for example, or any of the other CDMA carriers. But again, it's it, it's it, it is it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, Julius Janachowski, who has uh, been nominated to become the chairman of the FCC, has indicated that if he is confirmed that he will ensure that the full record of uh, the petition is reviewed and we'll be taking a look at it. And, you know, keep in mind, too, that the RCA, uh, which is the Rural Carriers Association, petitioned the FCC uh, to look at these deals as well. Uh, because like you said, Joey, there's there's no way for someone that's on one of these smaller carriers to get in. No, there really isn't. And I think, uh, you know, I think maybe these things will change a little bit, but I, I have a feeling just, you know, the financial arguments that the, the carriers and the manufacturers have will easily, uh, you know, uh, make this kind of a uh, moot point. Yeah, you're probably right. And uh, it, it's it, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it, it's it, you're right. It's chicken before the egg. That's the best way to put it. So uh, anyway, also this week, the IRS has sought public comments on the idea of taxing personal use of cell phones that are provided by employers. This one was all over the news, Joey. I think you were saying you saw it, what, on CNN and uh, heard it on NPR? And- yeah, I heard it uh, all over the place this week. Yeah, basically, there's a... A, a highly negative response um, from employees and business owners that the IRS is changing their mind and repealing a tax here, basically uh, saying that um, this is from IRS Commissioner uh, Doug Shulman saying that the passage of time, advances in technology, and the nature of communication in the modern workplace have rendered the law obsolete, and businesses and employees are believing that sorting out business versus personal use on cell phone bills would, of course, be burdensome to those involved. And so the IRS is recommending that Congress repeal the law. So it's probably, again, one of these things that's going to be a moot point. We won't need to even talk about this any further. Yeah, I think so. This this particular law was um, uh, something that was enacted in like 1986 or, or it was a, a very long time ago. In 1989, I'm sorry, uh, back when cell phones were, in a, were a major perk. Because you know it was dollars and dollars a minute at that time frame, so I, I can understand how that became taxed as a as a personal benefit. Where if you were a you know a private an individual who was using you know thousands of minutes of you know cell phone time uh, in 1989, that would have been a major uh, employee benefit perk. Which of course then you have to you know uh, pay taxes on that. But now it's it, it, it's infinitesimal the, the amount of taxes uh, you know that it's worth because the minutes barely cost anything yeah and so it's it's probably going to go away and we're not going to have to worry about it but uh just it was interesting that it it, just all of a sudden it came out of the woodwork and it seemed like all the news sources picked up on it and decided to talk about it well rim had uh an announcement this week about their profits for the previous quarter that was uh 
uh, basically showing that their profits rose $643 million. They shipped almost 8 million devices in the single quarter. Uh, that's just, just wonderful. <laughs> Obviously, a lot, lot of different devices that are out there from RIM now with a lot of different carriers. Boy, they have really kept up uh, against the iPhone. I mean, they really did. And they've, they've really stepped up the, the devices they've put out. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what they've done as far as you know, uh, keeping pace and releasing new devices. Yep, they're just under 30 million users worldwide, which is up uh, almost double, uh, I think, from just a couple of years ago. If I remember correctly, it was about it was about uh, 12 to 15 million back in I think 2006, 2007. So they're 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 gaining very quickly, and of course, this is probably not going to slow. There's a number of devices that are kind of on the horizon for BlackBerry, and we'll we'll see them, I'm sure, very very soon. Well, Nortel Networks, currently in bankruptcy protection with both the U.S. and Canada, said that it will no longer attempt to restructure and revive its business. Instead, they're going to attempt to sell the remaining business units off. Uh, this news, of course, closely following an announcement that Nokia Siemens will purchase the Nortel CDMA and LTE businesses for about $700 million. Nortel has not named any suitors for the other business units. And a company that was once, of course, the premier provider of networking equipment to wireless network operators uh, has an, has had a number of financial issues uh, recently and, of course, a considerable number of problems tied to the world economic downturn. They didn't provide any other information on how long it expects to continue their operations or when it would close permanently. And I had a question, or we had a question come into us about this this week and I, just about what our thoughts were on it. And so I thought we'd just take a second to talk about what this potentially means, of course, you know, Nokia, uh, Siemens, as they're building up the, the hardware side, they're also looking at the, the back end and they're doing a lot with uh, the equipment that runs these networks and the infrastructure behind them. And so the Nortel side uh, with, with purchasing all of that is just going to help strengthen, strengthen their, uh, you know, their, their, their hold in that. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a, a, kind of a bummer, kind of a, you know, closing of a chapter, so to speak, when you've got one of these companies that's provided so much network equipment for so long, finally goes out of business. No kidding, especially when they started in 1882. Oh, man. <laughs> so they've been going for... Obviously, they weren't providing, uh, you know, uh, wireless, you know, cellular connections in 1882, but that's pretty amazing. It's a very long history. Yeah. So there's there's quite a bit to, you know, to their, their history. And unfortunately, this is one of those things that happens. And, uh, you know, so... They, they were too old to fail, right? Yeah, too old to fail. We've heard that one a lot in the last year, isn't that... It's too big to fail. Yeah. Too big to fail. Yep. Well, let's talk a little bit about AT&T and the iPhone here. First off, AT&T trying to force iPhones out of prepaid plans. Some information went out this week to the GoPhone customers that were using the iPhone. And uh, the update that came out on June 17th was stated to have an impact on the data service for GoPhone customers using either the original or the iPhone 3G. The GoPhone rate plans were, were not approved for use for the iPhone 3GS when the new device uh, rolled out this past week. And uh, so there were a few issues. Uh, so the current iPhone 3G users uh, will either have to pick a pay-as-you, pay not pay-as-you-go rate plan to be approved um, or to, to keep using their service, basically. Uh, iPhone 3G customers on pick-your-plan rate plans need to call AT&T to learn about more options. And uh, basically, you're kind of out of luck at this point. Kind of threw up a, a lot of people's hands because they were on these, these you know, nice prepaid plans with AT&T, and all of a sudden they said, nope, you're not going to be able to do this anymore. So if you've got an iPhone and uh, you haven't updated to the 3.0 software yet and you're on one of the pay-as-you-go uh, rate plans or the GoPhone plans, make sure that you uh, tread lightly because uh, you may run into some problems if you decide to upgrade. 
AT&T making Wi-Fi hotspot use much more convenient with the new iPhone 3.0 software and auto-authentication, allowing iPhone users to seamlessly switch from the 3G network of AT&T over to the AT&T hotspots. Uh, Hotspots, of course, uh, known to be found at many different locations, such as Starbucks and Barnes & Noble, about 20,000 around the U.S., making it much easier to connect while you're on the go. And the way you described it to me uh, earlier, Mickey, it's uh, not just much easier, but uh, uh, much, much, much more convenient. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, here's here's the reality. It, when you when you used to go to a Starbucks, your phone, if you had connected up to an AT and T hotspot before, would uh, basically the data wouldn't work. You'd have to go into Safari. You'd have to, you know, try and launch a web page. It would throw you to the the AT&T splash page where you'd click a box and say, yes, I agree and hit agree. And then it would dump you to the web. And then you could go in, you could download your email, you could run your applications, whatever. Uh, now it's just going to be an auto authentication. So it was, uh, it was kind of a pain before. And honestly, I, I uh, at one point I ended up just, you know, deleting the AT&T hotspot from my list of networks because it just wasn't worth it to every time I walked past even a Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say you that. <laughs> if you were just walking past, you would lock out your data. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, you know, you, you head out to Starbucks in the morning or you're walking by, you know, a shopping center. Any, I mean, Starbucks are everywhere. So it's not it's not like you were had to, you know, seek out one. It's just if you were walking past, it would automatically connect and, could, you know, throw your data off. So anyway, that makes it a lot easier. So good for AT&T for fixing that. Also on the AT&T side and Verizon, they've responded both publicly to allegations that uh, they colluded to raise the prices of individual text messages. The rate of a message was risen from 10 to 20 cents between 2006 and 2008, and several senators allege that the price increases prove a lack of competition in the market. Both AT&T and Verizon issued statements noting the fact that the price increases in text messaging affected only about 17% of their customer base, as the remaining 83% had chosen to subscribe to bundled messaging plans. In sum, only 1% of all the text messages actually cost 20 cents. Oh, I don't believe that. The 83% <laughs> chosen to subscribe. Yeah, right. <laughs> it Come was, on. It was one of the... Yeah, right. Yeah, it was, that was one of those things where it was like, well, you're going to have to pay 20 cents a message, so... You know, you probably should get a data plan. You should probably get a, you know, a bundled messaging Messaging plan, plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, they subscribed before the price went up. So, well, they chose 83%, you know, chose, you know, plans. Uh Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but they're saying that they weren't, they weren't including there. So, sure. Also on Verizon's uh, news here this week, they've stepped up their attacks against telemarketers who are illegally calling their customers. They're claiming that a number of firms are working together to call its customers. And at one point, the companies involved were calling Verizon subscribers up to 100,000 times per hour. Most of the calls were offering automobile warranties. Verizon's new efforts on behalf of the customers include naming more companies to the suit originally filed in April. Lawsuit says that the companies involved are violating the FTC's Protection Act and state privacy laws. Verizon is seeking an injunction and monetary damages. Well, good for Verizon for taking a look at this because honestly, I I cannot tell you how many times I realize that my automobile warranty is about to expire. (laughs) <laughs> Clearwire's WiMAX has been ordained with an official Atlanta launch. Launch. Uh, Clearwire, of course, has been rolling out their 4G networks across the country. Uh, Portland travelers, of course, already be able to use the service, and uh, now you can do it in Atlanta as well. So if you're there and uh, you've been uh, signed up for the Clearwire WiMAX service, please let us know. We'd love to hear what your experiences are with it. 
T-Mobile's unlimited loyalty plan is going away. So if you're on a T-Mobile plan and you've been with them long enough that uh, they're willing to offer this plan to you and you've been thinking about it, you better jump on it very quickly here as the unlimited loyalty plan is going away very, very soon. Uh, Basically, it's for customers that have solid payment histories and uh, the unlimited minutes for $50 a month and unlimited data for $25 a month uh, with a lot of other great options. So lots of Lots of uh, good things there. So if you're on T-Mobile and you've been thinking about it, jump over and take advantage of it before it goes away. Some device news this week. Of course, the iPhone 3GS was released at 7 a.m. local time, depending on where you were, uh, at Apple and AT&T stores this past week. And uh, as a, a fanatic, I guess we'll say, or a junkie of cell phones, of course, I decided I needed to get in line and get myself an iPhone 3GS. I had called ahead and made sure that I knew uh, that I was going to be eligible for an upgrade, which uh, AT&T had had changed their tune this week and said that anyone that had upgraded uh, to the iPhone 3G original uh, between June and September of 2008 would be eligible for an upgrade, even though they weren't all the way through their two-year contract. And uh, so I got up and headed out to my local Apple store. I actually left the house at about 4.30, got there about 5 I was number three in line. If you were following me on Twitter, it was uh, uh, I was actually just just in shock that I could you know pull up and be number three in line. Uh, the first guy in line actually did not have his reservation. It was uh, kind of a sad story. He had received an email from Apple saying that um, something, and I can't remember what it was, but he wasn't on the list, so he wasn't actually allowed to go in first. Wow, because I saw a story like that on Consumerist. Really, they said the yep. same type the of exact same thing. Yeah, they got they they got a, a an email saying that yeah you're you're confirmed or your reservation, but it never said that you need this second email that says you're actually confirmed for a, a reservation. Yeah, they they yeah. Let me back up a minute. I I went in and ordered it. Uh, the, basically the week that they announced it, which was uh almost two weeks ago now. So anyway, so I, I ordered the phone, and just a couple of days later, they said, all right, pre-orders are done. So when you went to your AT&T or Apple store, they set up two different lines. So the first line gave you, which was the, the people who had done the pre-order, so that was like me, and those were the people who, you know, Apple comes out, or the, the representatives come out, and they've got this huge stack of paper, and it's got everybody's information listed on it on, you know, what their phone number is, what their, you know, their name, their what they ordered, all that kind of thing. The second line was the standby people. I, I kind of felt bad for those people, because the, the line of people who had actually pre-ordered and showed up at the store was was quite long. So guy number one in the line has a problem. He never got his his uh, second email basically saying, hey, we're looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, because that's what it said. Uh, and then, so the second guy goes in and, and, you know, they made a big deal about it and it, you know, everybody's clapping and cheering and stuff. And, uh, and then of course I'm, you know, basically the second guy in the store. So they, they pair you up with the concierge. You walk in, my guy was, uh, I, I think he was either from New York or New Jersey because he was one of those like, you know, boom, 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 kind of like get it done guys. And he's like, okay, you know, we scan this number and then we do this and then we do this and we're this, you know, and, uh, where's your credit card? Okay, we'll do this, scan it. And, uh, it was within probably five minutes I had the phone uh, purchased because they do it with the little handheld computers, walked over to another computer where they plugged it in to activate it. And we're going to talk about the activation issues in just a second. Activated it. I was out the door. It was 6.58 when I walked out the door, and I was the first person out the door with an activated iPhone at my local Apple store. So that was really cool. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, some initial kind of thoughts and impressions on on what this you know new device actually means, and uh, if you should or shouldn't upgrade to it. 
I will say if you're interested in uh, in taking a look at the the actual feature set of what you're going to find in this one it's very very similar to the existing iphone 3g it's uh you know the same exact physical size uh they've upgraded some of the hardware such as uh, giving it a faster processor we're up to a 600 megahertz processor now it is noticeable so if you're uh if you've been you know noticing a little bit of a lag with your phone or you just kind of see how you know how how I don't want to say non-responsive it is, but it's, there's a little bit uh, to be desired there as far as the responsiveness. Um, it's got twice the memory in it, which uh, this is something that not a lot of people are talking about, but this is a huge deal for me. Uh, with running a lot of different applications, having the iPod playing, opening Safari, you quickly get down into you know the, the single megabytes of RAM that are remaining, and that's when you start to have the applications crash on you and have start to have things close. They've upgraded it from 128 to 256 megs. Um, when you do a reset on the phone and you you turn it on, if you check the memory with a with a program, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, I've got a program that we want to talk about. You've got like 140 megabytes available, which is huge. I mean, basically, it means you you shouldn't have hardly any crashing anymore in your applications. It's going to be very convenient uh, when you're trying to load some of the the memory hogging ones like Safari. I was always, you know, force quitting Safari so that it would free up memory so I could do other stuff. You don't have to do that now. Uh, Internal uh, hard drive space, that SSD is twice the size now. If you want it to be, you can get up to 32 gigs. I've got just tons and tons of media on this thing now, which is was really quite cool. I don't really know why, because I'm going to use it when I travel, but that's about it. I hardly ever, I, I do a lot of streaming stuff on it, but uh, so if you wanted to do that, you can do that. Better camera. Uh, there's a compass in it now, which is really fun on the maps. You can actually walk around and it, it's, it's almost completely fluid as you're turning the phone and it, it shows you exactly which way you're facing. Just very, very neat, very fun, uh, neat stuff to do. So, uh, but it, uh, you know, if you're comfortable and you're happy with your current phone, I would say stick with it. There's not, um, there's not real any functional updates. Think about a computer that you bought maybe two years ago, and then think about a computer that you can buy today. That's the difference. You can pretty much do almost everything. There's some small upgrades to it, but you're not really seeing this this huge jump like you saw last year when you went and you added the GPS and you added the 3G and you added you know uh, whatever else we added. You know, so it was um, it, there's there's not that that mega jump up like we saw last year. So just keep that in mind. It's it's kind of like how computers are upgrading now, Joey. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, and like we said before, you know, it, it, but if the if the camera and the extra speed of memory is important to you, it it is a fairly significant uh, jump. I, I mean, I think it, it, in those in those particular features. Yeah, and I, I just I would I would say if 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 the small things like that, and I don't, they're not even small to me. If those things, I'll just say that if those things are important to you, it's worth the upgrade. You know, see if you can uh, if you're eligible for it. See if you can sell your current phone, give it to a family member, whatever it is, and do your upgrade, and uh, you, you'll probably be happy. Yeah, because I, I know you are, Mickey, with the uh, the improvements. It's like a brand new phone. I mean, it's it's almost like it's a completely different piece of hardware. Uh, it's not without its issues. Let's let's keep moving on here because I don't want to get too drug into this one here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, as of course we inevitably do. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, AT&T announced that anyone that purchased an iPhone 3G between July through September, you could get be eligible for the uh, the new contract pricing of two or three hundred dollars based on the model. So that's very very good. Uh, also, AT&T uh, had uh, a rumor leak out, and this was uh, later 
uh, squashed that they were going to be charging $55 for the tethering plans that they were going to be adding on uh, to the when they finally announced tethering availability for the iPhone uh, 3G uh, and 3GS models. So that is uh, that was, uh, like I said, squashed by them. They said there are lots of reports out there, uh, but they are false, and we'll have more news to share when the tethering option is closer to launch. So keep that in mind if you heard that rumor. It is not true. There is a sound issue right now with the 3GS, and this is something that I would have never noticed, but apparently uh, enough people did that uh, the boy genius wrote about it and said that uh, if you ever, if once you do something with the 3GS and there is a sound that is played, so something as simple as the unlock sound, an SMS sound, playing of a uh, a song through the speaker a high frequency uh, tone uh, is played out of the speaker and it's it's really really high it's uh, they're saying about 15 kilohertz um i did like i said i didn't notice it until i actually played a song pushed pause and then stuck the phone up to my ear and i could actually hear it i didn't find it all that annoying but you might so check this one out there's no fix for it right now uh but the fact that you can actually turn the phone over to vibrate and the pitch will go away, uh, it seems to be very, very software related. So we'll see if, uh, see if that can be fixed. So I just played the 15 kilohertz audio uh, frequency that somebody posted in one of the comments, and I just about blew off my chair. It was, <laughs> it was so <laughs> painful. Well, it's, uh, you know, I, I, don't, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe mine isn't that bad. And maybe that's why I don't... Uh, it, it may not be. It may be something totally hardware-related or amplifier-related where it may not be in all the phones and it may not be as intense on, on particular uh, phones. I'm seeing that. There's a, there's a post to it. So if you're wondering what this actually is, go to the story that's labeled iPhone 3GS plagued by sound issues and you'll be able to go into the comments and click through and listen to it. So that's kind of interesting. Also, some activation issues happened this past uh, Friday. Lots of people lined up to get their phones, only to be greeted with the fact that they were the phone was waiting for activation, and it took a while before it could actually activate. And uh, AT&T and uh, Apple, of course, apologized for this, and Apple came out this day today, Father's Day, uh, happy Father's Day to everybody out there that's a father, and said that uh, they will be issuing a $30 credit for any person that had an activation issue. Uh, so check out uh, and follow that one if you, in fact, were one of those people that you may be able to get free 30 bucks on iTunes. So pretty neat deal there. Uh, but again, overall, a good, uh, a real good experience, I think, for most people compared to last year where everybody was you know, standing in line and it was just hours upon hours before you could get yourself a phone. And, uh, you know, I walked away twice empty handed. So, uh, and this, this time it was no big deal. Two hours I was in and out and it was good. So some windows mobile news, T-Mobile announcing the dash three G from HTC, the dash three G similar to the snap that of course HTC announced at CTIA that we reported on back in April. It's got WCDMA 1700 in it for T-Mobile's three G network. It's a candy bar style Windows Mobile smartphone with Windows Mobile 6.1, QWERTY style keyboard, trackball, Wi-Fi, and to be available this July. Well, Samsung refreshed their entire Omnia line this week, and this was some pretty big news uh, that came out this past Monday. Uh, Four different devices in total. Uh, First off, the Omnia 2, uh, the flagship of the refreshed line, being billed as the world's 3.7-inch AMO LED 
display device. Uh, that's a pretty big display when you think about it. That's about 0.2 inches larger than the iPhone. Running Windows Mobile 6.1 at a resolution of 480 by 800. It's got uh, DVD-like recording and playback with uh, HSDPA 7.2 megabits per second and 5.76 megabits upstream with Wi-Fi and a GPS. The Omnia Pro B7610. This particular device was uh, very similar in uh, specs uh, with the exception of a 3.5-inch AMO LED screen. Uh, both of these phones have a 5-megapixel camera uh, with uh, LED flash on the Samsung, or excuse me, the Omnia 2. The Omnia Pro does not have a flash according to the specs that are listed. Uh, AGPS, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, FM radio as well. And they both have a uh, 1,500 milliamp-hour battery in them, and it looks like both have an 800 megahertz processor, uh, but a very similarly spec device just as a matter of you know whether or not you want the physical keyboard that slides out or not these devices kind of really remind me of the uh the htc line they're very similar in, in styling and and kind of feature specifications as far as the the form factor goes i i kind of thought that too because you know as they come out with the the uh the sliding kind of style and it doesn't have a tilt though so that's the one thing that htc still has up on samsung is they they have that tilt uh, you know, th- there's a couple other ones too, though. If you're not real keen on either one of these, there's a front-facing uh, style device, which is called the, um, uh, which one is this one? That's the B7320. Uh, it's another pro phone, and uh, it takes its cues, of course, from the Samsung Jack, and it has support uh, with, for AT&T in the U.S., three megapixel camera, so a little bit downgraded of a camera with FM radio and Wi-Fi. Uh, so some, uh, you know, just kind of a different type of, kind of design, you know, what what works for some doesn't work for others. And then finally, the Omnia Lite, which is the B7300, and this has got uh, HSDPA 3.6 megabits per second with a 3-inch WQVGA screen, 240 by 400, and uh, basically you've got uh, a lot of different, uh, you know, features in here that similar to um, you know, similar but different. So you've got, like I said, three megapixel camera, uh, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, GPS, 200, 250 megs of ROM, which I believe is down from, I think it's 512 from these other pro devices here. The same battery, 1500 milliamp hour. So, uh, some pretty good, uh, some pretty good specs on all these devices. So if you're a Samsung fan, you're definitely going to be interested in taking a look at all of these because there's some great options out there. And next, Samsung, not to be outdone with all the Windows mobile devices, comes out with a new touch-based device called the Jet, an 800 megahertz processor running the TouchWiz 2 user interface with an AMO LED screen at a WVGA resolution. The Jet launches with a brand new HTML web browser called the Dolphin, which is based on WebKit. It also offers multi-window browsing, up to five windows at a time, that can load and render pages in the background at the same time. It also is compatible with widgets and has an ad blocker. The multi-purpose address field will handle URL entry, Google search, the website search, and other uh, uh, built-in features, including zooming in and out with just one finger. The Jet carries GPS and 3D navigation, launching internationally, and Samsung is still in talks with U.S. carriers. Uh, LG, also some news this week, talking about the GM730. This is a Korean manufacturer, of course, officially launching the GM730 phone running Windows Mobile 6.1 with a 5-megapixel camera, 16 gigs of storage space, GPS, and FM receivers built in. It will launch in the Asian markets this July. 
LG also showed off its newest Windows Mobile 6.1 smartphone, the GW550, which is a mono block device with a full QWERTY keyboard for messaging, quad band GSM and Edge with tri band, uh, HSDPA, and UMTS. Other features include a 3 megapixel camera and 2.4 inch display. No other details, however, were released, including the pricing and availability. HTC's Touch Pro 2 hits Orange and Vodafone this week. If you're over in the UK and you wanted to pick up one of these Touch Pro 2s, you can do so now. So you can find more information over at the respective websites of those companies. HTC's Ozone landing at Verizon this coming Friday, June 29th. If you're interested in the Ozone, it is very similar to what at one point was called the Snap, Cedar, or Willow, whichever one you want to choose. Uh, It will be available, like we said, this week uh, online and starting in the stores in mid-July. This is a a Windows Mobile device with a front-facing QWERTY keyboard very similar at, in uh, in looks to the HTC Snap. Uh, pricing will be about 120 bucks on a two-year agreement with a $70 mail-in rebate. Sprint launching the HTC Snap as well. This one's going to be $150. They're actually going to be calling it the Snap. So uh, this one, obviously, uh, very similar to the, the one we talked about before, just in a CDMA version. So, Joey, pretty much everybody now can get their hands on these new front-facing HTC devices. Yeah, they, it's for some for some reason the the pictures between the uh, Verizon and, and 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 Sprint ones look kind of different. Like the keyboard looks like a different shape, but it must be just the way the the picture is. I think it is. I think the one in the the Verizon one is just because the PowerPoint is a little stretched in the in the, the view of it, but. It, it must be. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's going to be relatively similar hardware. If you kind of look, uh, you look close, there'll be, there'll be subtle differences. They kind of like to do that just to differentiate them. Uh, maybe the button's a little bit different, but I'm sure all the specs on it will be the same. So T-Mobile, HTC, or Sprint, and Verizon all getting themselves a snap. So good news for HTC getting their, their devices out there. On the BlackBerry side, the 8520 will be coming to T-Mobile. So good news there for T-Mobile customers who are looking for the newest in BlackBerry hardware. The 8520 is branded with T-Mobile badging, and we'll be seeing this one hopefully very soon. RIM announcing the dual mode tour for both Sprint and uh, Verizon Wireless. RIM announced the BlackBerry 9630 tour, which is a QWERTY equipped device supporting CDMA, EVDO, Reve, and quad band GSM and Edge networks plus 2100 megahertz HSDPA. Tour comes with a 3.2 megapixel camera with flash, autofocus, and video capture, a full HTML web browser, 3.5 millimeter headset jack, Bluetooth 2.0, A2DP, supporting micro SD cards up to 32 gigabytes, and of course, GPS. RIM said the device is expected to be available this summer for North American carriers. Both Verizon and Sprint announced that they will sell the tour. Sprint for $200 after a new agreement. Verizon, no pricing details yet. Of course, this is the device we've been following closely and talking about quite a bit. The successor to potentially the 8830 series of devices with, of course, updated hardware and brand new software. The BlackBerry Pro Flip 8230 now available from Verizon Wireless. As expected this week, Verizon offered it for $80. You can pick it up over at uh, a Verizon store or online. Nokia officially announcing the E72, 5530, and 3710. Nokia introduced the three new phones from business to multimedia to basic use. All three have quad-band GSM and Edge radios and Bluetooth. The E72 is a candy bar-style phone running S63 edition, feature pack 2, with a fully functional QWERTY keyboard, obviously a successor to the E71 with several upgrades, including a 5-megapixel camera with autofocus and flash, 3.5-millimeter headset jack 
with a new optical Navi key built into the D-pad for navigating and scrolling through the phone's menus. Other features include GPS, Wi-Fi, A2DP, microSD support, built-in instant messaging, and a more robust email client. It will come in a tri-band HSDPA 850, 1900, and 2100 variant for the North American market, expected to be available in the third quarter for just under $500. The 5530 Express Music will be the follow-up to the 5800. It's an S65th edition uh, device with a 2.9-inch screen, 3.2-megapixel camera with autofocus and flash, proximity sensor, accelerometer, and support for 16-gig microSD cards with A2DP and Wi-Fi, limited to edge data only, but will be available in the third quarter. And the basic flip, the 3710 Fold, a tri-band HSDPA device with a 3.2-megapixel camera with flash, GPS, media player, running series. Series 40, also available at the end of this year. The Nokia N86 8 megapixel and N97 launched in the UK this week. Both, of course, are very flagship-style devices for the Finnish-based company uh, are available now in the UK, so check those ones out if you're interested. T-Mobile announcing the second Android device this week. Sources citing that the Wall Street Journal and uh, T-Mobile is preparing to announce the second Android device this week. The journal sources indicate that the device will be called the MyTouch 3G, similar in design, appearance, and function to the HTC Magic released on Verizon's, excuse me, Vodafone's network earlier this year. T-Mobile declined to provide more details, but HTC, the maker of the Magic, is holding a special event in London this week and is expected to announce new handsets. T-Mobile recently indicated that it will be bringing another Android-based handset to the market sometime during the summer months, so it looks like the MyTouch 3G could be it. Verizon Wireless this past week announced the USB 1000 Global Modem, which is a new dongle for laptops that will let subscribers access 3G wireless networks in the U.S. and while traveling overseas. Radios on board include an 800 and 1900 MHz EVDO Rev-A radio with a quad-band GSM radio, as well as a tri-band 850, 1900, and 2100 MHz uh, WCDMA-HSUPA That's a mouthful. Uh, The USB 1000 is made by Novatel, costing $150 after mail-in rebate with a new agreement. Verizon offering several new data plans with the device, starting at $130 a month for global roaming that will include 5 gigs of data here in the U.S. and 100 megabytes abroad. A $220 plan bumps the foreign roaming to 200 megabytes, and a uh, the USB 1000 requires a minimum of a five gigabyte plan from the uh, for Verizon for sixty dollars per month. It'll be available uh, beginning uh, this week. iPhone 3.0 is now available, a little overshadowed by the launch of the new iPhone 3GS. But owners of the original iPhone and iPhone 3G can now upgrade their devices to the newer operating system. The 3.0 includes several new features such as copy, cut, and paste, as well as stereo Bluetooth. It is available as a free download through iTunes. Well, a lot of different hidden features in the new 3.0 software, so we thought we'd highlight just a few of them. First off, there's no limit to the number of applications that can be installed, uh, other than the amount of storage space that you have. Uh, once you reach the home screen limit, apps are installed after uh, that in- that. Are, are apps that are installed after the number of screens that are uh, limited can be accessed through Spotlight. So you can install up to 11 pages of applications with icons available, and then by using the Spotlight search function, find the other applications that you've installed. Also, in the Settings General Home button menu, you can now double-click to get the new search feature or the camera. Also, the Notes now has data detectors, which means you can type in a phone number, a website address, or any other uh, 
basically piece of information that is clickable, and you press on it, and it will automatically pop up the information in the program that it's uh, referring to. Also, if a phone call interrupts what you're doing, you are now taken back to the application that you were in before you were interrupted. That's a new feature. Uh, Like we mentioned, you can now get 11 pages of applications instead of the previous nine. And now there's a different way to force quit applications. Now simply hold the sleep-wake button until the red slider appears, then press and hold down the home button to quit the application. Of course, this is in, uh, in response to the fact that holding down the home button now will simply launch the voice activation for dialing. Inside the iPhone 3GS, how can you use the new Compass feature to your advantage? Well, one of the things that uh, this piece of hardware has that the other prior versions did not is, of course, the Compass. But what is it actually good for? Well, if you go into the Maps application and you pull up, uh, you push the the little button on the bottom left corner that allows you to bring up your GPS location, uh, you can now press it a second time and it will create a little pie that comes out in front of where your little blue dot is blinking. And as you turn the phone, your the actual screen and the map rotates based on where you're looking. It's a little hard to explain over a, a podcast here, but it, trust me, it's pretty neat. For those that haven't tried it yet, go into Google Maps, press on that button that allows you to bring up your current location, and then press it again, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Very, very cool. Also in the iPhone OS 3.0 update, of course, we're talking on a podcast here, so let's talk about the new podcast controls. There's now an adjustable scrub scrub speed. If you've ever tried to jump forward or backwards in a podcast, uh, it's almost impossible to get to the spot that you want. The new 3.0 software fine-tunes the controls and allows you to tap and hold the position then slowly drag your finger down to access different scrub speeds. Also, you can get high speed, half speed, quarter speed, and finally, fine. Uh, That will allow you to drag the left and right markers to the exact spot that you want to go to. It's a little bit tricky, but a little bit, but pretty intuitive once you try it out. There's also 30 second rewinding. So you can take advantage of jumping back uh, about half a minute to uh, replay something that you may have missed. Also email sharing. Uh, The This American Life podcast did a show uh, recently called Bad Bank. And uh, the writer of this article was saying that he, of course, wanted to share it with his friends and family and uh, didn't, but of course, wasn't able to do so. The new software allows you to type a tap on the email icon and send it to the podcast uh, link from iTunes directly to one or more recipients. So that's kind of a cool thing. And finally, the playback speed selector, uh, basically allowing you to cycle between the different speeds. So a lot of different options there for listening to the podcast here. So now you can figure out different ways to go back and listen and how to listen to your cell phone junkie episodes on your iPhone. The dev team introducing 3.0 compatible jailbreaking tools. If you've got an iPhone or an iPhone 3G, you can now jailbreak your iPhone with the new software. However, it does not work with the new 3GS iPhones, so keep that one in mind if you're going to test this one out. And as always, be careful because uh, there's uh, some some pretty big problems if you get yourself into a a spot where you've got, uh, you know, a bricked phone. Uh, also here, the dev team uh, demoed Ultra Snow, which is a way to unlock the iPhone 3G for those that had had problems in the past with upgrading uh, or excuse me, unlocking their devices with specific bootloaders. You can now do so with the new firmware 3.0 installed on your device using the Ultra Snow program. Again, this one I believe does not work for the iPhone 3GS, uh, so that should be available hopefully sometime, but not quite yet. 
Microsoft Word editing on the iPhone. You can check out uh, DataViz Documents to Go for only $5. It allows you to uh, edit, create, and view Microsoft Word Documents. Uh, The version is available, like I said, for $5. Google updating its mapping software through the Android market. Google has updated the maps, uh, perhaps the most vital central application in the platform outside of, of course, the dialer. Of course, this one is used on all the different uh, uh, Android-style devices, such as the G1, the Dream, and the Magic. Uh, So make sure you hit that one from the Android market to get it updated. A Ringer update issued for the Sprint Trio Pro. Palm Support issued this update, patching a rare issue in the Sprint Trio Pro where the registry key may have been corrupted, causing the phone to stop ringing. The update corrects the registry and finds that if it's corrupted and helps to prevent further registry corruption, a download is available from palm.com. Sirius and XM, or the Sirius XM, I guess is what it's called, has now launched an iPhone application, which allows you to, for free, if you've got a subscription, sign up to listen to the uh, the satellite-based music service over your iPhone, and this is available over 3G or Edge or Wi-Fi. So whatever your, your connection is, you can listen to your Sirius XM content. Joey, though, one of the biggest things that I, I, I think they screwed up on this one was the fact that they left out Howard Stern. Now, I know I'm not, I'm not a huge Howard fan. I listen to it occasionally. Uh, I know you are. So what does this mean for this particular app? I, I'm really surprised they did that because that's one of uh, Sirius's, uh, you know, one of their premium content providers. And, and I'm not, obviously, there's, uh, there's a, a reason why they left uh, him out. But uh, it, it is kind of disappointed, disappointing Um given the fact that this app is supposed to draw people to uh, subscribing to SiriusXM and one of the biggest draws they have is not in this uh, particular app. Yeah, so I, you got you to gotta take a look and see if this one is worth it. Uh, it's a free download, free seven-day trial. And then after that, I think you have to pay the full price to be able to listen to it, which is, what, $13? I believe it's $13 a month, um, but I, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Well, anyway, you can check this one out uh, over at... Uh, Oh, let's see. We've got a link here over to SiriusXM.com. It'll get you a link to the uh, iPhone store where you can download it. Well, Palm announced this week uh, that their SDK for the webOS would not be available until later this summer. They said that uh, it will. Uh, be, they're not going to announce it just yet, so they can enable uh, some additional uh, work in it for developers, uh, and uh, we'll be hopefully have it available by the end of the summer. In lieu of the SDK, though, they said they will be expanding its early access program, giving developers access to some of the tools needed to create the applications for it, and they said they will publish more resources outside of the early access program, allowing current early access developers to share information uh, they have, which was previously under NDA. Well, the WebOS 1.0.3 update is now available. Just two short weeks after the launch of the Palm Pre and the first we'd seen of the WebOS, the third, or excuse me, the second update is now available. It'll get pushed out to Palm Pre users. It's 13 megabytes, and apparently it's working very well. Close to 700,000 Palm Pre apps have been downloaded to date. This is with only 30 applications available in the store. A lot of people have uh, really taken advantage of the ability to check out the applications on the Palm Pre. And like I said, 700,000 have been downloaded. Finally today in the software, the Phone Creeper application uh, we found this one over at WM Experts, and this one is uh, creepy to say the least. It's a uh, application that you can install on a Windows Mobile device running Windows Mobile 5 or 6, 
and uh, has the .NET uh, Compact Framework 3.5. The software tool will secretly and remotely read incoming and outgoing SMS messages, delete them, or view the call history. Also, bounce SMS messages off of a remote phone to someone else, create a pop-up message on the phone, send a secret fart sound, secretly and remotely listen into the person, initiates a silent call to the person of the phone and answers it without them knowing. Also, send a listening in call to someone else's phone, and finally, remote wipe of an installed flashcard. So very, very scary. Uh, this is basically uh, a Trojan horse of sorts. I mean, basically, someone can take complete control of your phone, Joey. This is kind of scary. Yeah, it is kind of scary, and it's probably not entirely legal. Uh, no. <laughs> Lots of different uh, problems with this one. So anyway, questions and comments this week. First one, comment from Peter. He says, folks, all of you, all you should need to do if you want to request a telephone change is uh, when you do your port request, uh, you have to walk through the, the request with the sales rep on the phone. I do it all the time for large accounts with 80 lines. So uh, as Peter says, it probably shouldn't be a big deal if you want to uh, move your phone number over to uh, a different line and uh, want to keep it. Excellent. Yeah, that's good news. Question from Ryan. He says, I listened to the iPhone Alley podcast, and they mentioned the iStat to refresh memory on your iPhone. Can you recommend an application that does this as well? I want to know which one is the best available. Looks like free memory 1.4 looks good. Ryan. Uh, Ryan, yeah, actually, free memory is the program that I use to check and see how much memory I have available. And on the original iPhone, uh, this was incredibly important because as you'd launch a number of programs and you'd get things that were sitting and running in the background, like the uh, the iPod and your mail and your phone and, you know, all the all these you know, built-in, you know, applications that were constantly running. Uh, you could go in and as your memory would get low, you hit free memory and it closes those applications for you and makes it so that uh, it, it's running a lot smoother. So I would recommend free memory. It's actually a, a pretty good program. It's only 99 cents. Ryan had another question. He said, uh, I had iFitness installed prior to the 3.1 update and now it's gone. When I went to the app store to reinstall it, it says installed and it's grayed out. I turned on the restrictions to get my son to some of the applications. Uh, You can only change it to be able to open up applications that are ranked at a 9 plus or higher. So it actually hides some of them uh, so you can't even get to them. It should have a password associated with the ones that you want to protect. Like if you don't want them to open, for example, iFart, it asks them for a password to open that application. So uh, Ryan kind of had a question, but it answered his own question. But I thought it was still good to share in that when you went and uh, tried to install some of these applications, applications, uh, sometimes restrictions can get put on. The other thing with this is that I actually had an issue with uh, one of the applications that I use called TruePhone, and TruePhone allows for free calling uh, to TruePhone customers. It also integrates with Skype and very, very cheap calls from a Wi-Fi-enabled phone uh, to a uh, basically a landline or a mobile phone anywhere in the world, very, very cheap, like five cents a minute. And uh, so this particular program needed to have an update for 3.0. And that's something that they had mentioned during the keynote that there were going to be uh, the developers that were going to be upgrading their software to become compatible with the 3.0. It is, in fact, uh, necessary in some cases. So if you've got an app that may be acting up a little bit on you, take a look and see if there's an update for it because the developer may have updated it. And finally, the last question from Ryan says, uh, I know it's not active, but why isn't the MMS option on the messaging options on the new iPhone 3G? Uh, I did Apple not include it in the final build. Will 3.1 have it when AT&T finally decides to add it to the network? I can't stand it that AT&T didn't include it. This is one of the things that I really wanted. All of my Verizon friends give me all sorts of grief about it that the almighty iPhone doesn't have MMS. Come on, AT&T. 
Well, Ryan, I think what you're going to see is something similar to the carrier update that happened with the two point, uh, I think it was one software uh, where the iPhone was updated. The the carrier information was updated. It. So when the, the AT&T microcell finally comes out, uh, then they're going to be able to use that. I think we're going to see something similar with that where they made you just a carrier specific upgrade depending on who you have your phone activated through, which will be a very small piece of information that will update just that particular menu option on the iPhone and uh, then you'll be able to do it. If you go out and you take a look right now, you can search and you can find certain carrier setting files that you can download and install, and that will give you the option to enable MMS. I think you still have to contact AT&T because they haven't updated all the iPhone accounts to make it work, but you can go in and you can you can do that. So, But beware of doing that. I would say just wait because it's not officially supported quite yet. Comment here from Wendy says, hey, guys, uh, I, I just have to chime in and tell you about one of my, fr- my favorite free podcast podcast catchers. It's called Beyond Pod at beyondpod.mobi. What I love about this catcher is that you can set it to allow or not allow the use of GPRS, Edge, or 3G. I have it set to use my home Wi-Fi. This avoids hitting that dreaded 5 gigabyte or five uh, yeah, gigabyte unlimited data cap. Uh, you can set it to download new podcasts on a schedule or when an application is launched. I have mine set to download during the middle of the night, so it's fun to wake up and see what's new in the podcasting world. Also, in the scheduler, I, you can set it to automatically turn off or on the Bluetooth, flight mode, or Wi-Fi, and also start an application. You can turn on and off the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi when needed, saving the battery, and you don't even have to have the application launched for the scheduler to activate. One thing to note, I've installed BeyondPod three times now due to flashing a new ROM. It seems that on a fresh install, the scheduler is uh, funky for the first few days, then calms down and commits to the scheduler. I know it's a very weird observation, but it happens. There is a player included, but I never use it, so I can't comment on that uh, on its functions. But I love your show, and I appreciate the work that you all do. Please keep up the podcast. Wendy. Well, Wendy, thank you very much for that. Always great to hear what you've got to say about some of the applications. And beyondpod.mobi is one that we've actually recommended in the past. So thank you for mentioning it again. Yep, and that's for Windows Mobile and Android at the moment. Right. So take that one uh, into consideration. If you, know, if you don't happen to have one of those, it's uh, probably not going to help you out. But for Windows devices, it works pretty well. Uh, next one here is a voicemail from Charles. Hey, this is Charles from Merritt Island, Florida, and I had to laugh when you, uh, when uh, Joey gave the, the caller, I think his name was Mel, uh, a half a joke about must have been on AT&T when his call kind of dropped out and got warbly. But caller obviously said he was on Sprint, and um, that was that's my experience. I mean, I, a lot of people bash AT&T, but here in where I am on the space coast of Florida, AT&T is is so much better than Sprint, it's not even funny. Now, Verizon, I believe, is on par, but they never seem to have any phones that I really care about. So, But anyway, I just you, you guys almost ran me off the road when, when I had to laugh about that. So anyway, uh, love the show. Keep it up. Bye. Yes, Charles, thank you for pointing that out. In fact, uh, I, I noticed that myself when we were talking about it. I know Joey mentioned uh, AT&T, and it was actually Sprint, but yeah, what can you do? At least you got a good laugh out of it, right? I was just joking about AT&T since we were just bashing on AT&T so much. I figured I'd just continue the trend, uh, you know. <laughs> anyway, glad you got a laugh out of it. Next one here is a voicemail from Carl. Mickey and Joey, this is Carl from Washington, D.C. First and foremost, just wanted to say thanks for everything you all do. I've been listening to the show since show number three, and you guys do such a great job. Keep up the good work. Anywho, I have a question and a comment. Uh, my question is, how do I sound on my brand new Palm Pre? hope it sounds pretty darn good for 300 bucks. (laughs) 
And uh, my comment is uh, actually a bit of a rant about how frustrated I am with uh, Sprint over the whole experience of obtaining my pre. And specifically, it all goes down to, I, I just don't understand why Sprint or what they were thinking when they made this phone exclusively or exclusive to their stores and refused to sell it through their online or telesales channel. You know, I'm like a lot of junkies, <laughs> Mickey. Uh, I refused to wait in line, and I'll gladly wait a few days for the phone to ship to me, but I didn't really have that option this time. So I called my local Sprint store a few days after it came out to uh, get on the waiting list, and I was told I was the 60th person in line for the pre at that particular location. I didn't hear anything for a couple of days, so a few days later I called back to see where I stood in line, thinking that they had probably gone through a lot of the list, and they told me... Uh, that they couldn't actually look at the waiting list and that they had only received seven phones over the past three days. Well, <laughs> a week went by and I didn't hear anything. And it really felt like I was almost kind of being ignored as a customer because no one could give me any information as to approximately when I'd get my pre. So interestingly enough, I had to go out of town and I decided to check out a Sprint store in uh, upstate New York just to see if they had any. And believe it or not, they had extras and I was able to walk right in and pick one up. Of course, as I was paying the salesperson, she reminded me that there was a $18 upgrade fee that would appear on my bill because I purchased the phone in the store. Uh, I rolled my eyes, and she said to just call customer retentions, and they would uh, take off the charge. So I don't know. Mission accomplished. I had the pre, but I'm stuck with an $18 upgrade fee and an awful lot of heartburn over trying to obtain the phone. And again, I just don't understand why Sprint won't sell them online or over the phone and why are they making customers deal with the traditional Sprint stores that can just be a major headache? <laughs> and uh, AT&T certainly didn't do that with the iPhone 3GS. And uh, they say that it's so they can teach you the phone and show you the features. But I really think they did this in order to drive foot traffic into their stores, which probably haven't been doing so well over the past few quarters. And, you know, I don't know. It was just awfully frustrating to get that phone. I've never gone through so many hoops to do uh, to get one, a brand new phone. And uh, Sprint, once again, <laughs> they uh, really messed things up. But uh, I said it once and I'll say it again. If Sprint didn't have such a great price on their plans, I, I would have been done with them long ago. So anywho, that's just my rant. Thanks for listening. All right, Carl. Well, to answer your question, you sound just great. I'm sure you just heard it yourself. You sound good. It, it, quality is clear. Uh, I always love to hear the Sprint phones. They just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I think they sound wonderful. You know, your, your comment about being frustrated with Sprint, I, I definitely understand uh, where you're coming with that. And uh, Joey and I were kind of talking about this. But, you know, Joey, I think the, uh, the idea behind the exclusivity is to obviously push people to the store so that they can show them, right, how the phone works. I mean, I think that's the idea behind the whole thing and why they don't have it available right away. I think with the the complicated um, you know user interaction with the gesture area and the strange motions and the flips that you have to do to get the the cards to change around, I think what the the the, the idea is is to make sure we show the, the the customers how to do it. Otherwise, they will not be getting a full experience out of the phone and may not like it because they really don't know how to do it. And I know a, a lot of you know people listen to this show. You know, it, it's it's easy. It's super easy, but probably uh, a lot of people would be frustrated by it if they're not familiar with that sort of interface. And I think they're thinking that the device will sell better, get better reviews. Uh, people will tell their friends they like this phone because it's so cool uh, if they get a demo of the, the phone. But I agree they should have 
an option to buy it online and maybe even throw up a screen saying this phone uh, has a has a different you know user experience make sure you watch this video etc cetera, etc cetera. but still to, to not or even give you a backdoor option you call them up say i need to order this phone uh maybe they can give you a link a direct link or something where you can order it that way it, it that is frustrating and the whole experience i mean to be telling that you were the 60th person on the list and then they basically ignored you and you know it, it just it's just no good i'm glad that you finally were able to find one though so uh but you know yeah that upgrade fee too i, I just paid one of those on at&t I, those are so dumb i don't I, I think that's just a way another way to make money every time someone upgrades a phone you know yeah handle the the the, the paperwork you know quote unquote cost of activating the new phone i mean because I, I suppose it isn't free for them to change it over i i yeah, it's still frustrating when you pay the uh, the monthly fee every month still, and you're under contract, you're a renewing contract. It's not good. And, you know, with the Sprint, uh, they, they're, you know, they haven't been that good for customer service, so I guess I'm not surprised in that respect either. Yeah, that's... Uh, anyway, we'll leave it at that. Uh, finally, here we have a voicemail from Jeff. Hi, Mickey and Joey. It's uh, Jess from Lafayette, Indiana. Um, first of all, let me say thank you for all the show prep. Uh, that you do on every show. It's very obvious that, that you guys do a lot of prep and uh, certain other podcasts do not. And uh, that that is what makes the difference between your podcast and, and a lot of other ones out there. Uh, my question is about Bluetooth headsets. I would like to find a Bluetooth headset uh, that is not the kind that clips onto the back of your ear. And after you've listened to it for, uh, I don't know, about an hour or so, your ear is totally sore. I'd like to find one that's more like a standard uh, Walkman pair of headphones uh, that goes over your ear and and gives you a good sound quality, at least as good as can be had with uh, the compression that goes on with stereo Bluetooth. So if you guys have any ideas or uh, have any suggestions from the pictures of uh, Bluetooth headsets or headsets that uh, you've actually used personally, I'd appreciate it a lot. Thank you. All right, Jeff, thanks for your comments there. I uh, certainly appreciate those. We, we spend just a ton of time each week putting together all this material. Um, I don't know, Joey, how many feeds you read, but I go through anywhere between 70 and 80 different feeds every single day to, to follow all the information so we can compile all of it. So, yeah, it is a lot of work. It's kind of like a second job, uh, but we do it because we love it. So, anyway, thanks for those comments. But uh, a Bluetooth headset that doesn't make your ear sore, that goes over your ear, uh, I, would, uh, I would give a couple of recommendations. Um, one that I used in the past that I, I it, it does go over your ear, but I didn't find it to be that uncomfortable. In fact, I used it when I was biking a lot because it keeps the cord out of the way and uh, does a great job for streaming music over Bluetooth. And that was the HT Bluetooth headphones. Um, I know there's uh, there's uh, some places that you can get them, I think, for uh, right around $50 right now. Uh, so check that one out if you're interested. But uh, to more specifics on the ones that you're exactly looking for, I would check out the Motorola T820s or the Jabra BT-620s, uh, or maybe the Insignia Bluetooth wireless headphones. So those are some different ones there. And uh, I've got actually a good link for you here. It's from bluetomorrow.com. Joey found this one. And it goes through, and it's got a little... Uh, kind of a, a little explanation of, uh, you know, what Bluetooth stereo headphones are. And uh, then if you don't have like an ad block or anything like that, there's a little, what do you call it, Joey? There's like a widget at the bottom that shows you and you can kind of flip through these different headphones. Yeah, they have a basically kind of a, a you know, a, a scrolling wheel of, of different Bluetooth headphones. It's the lazy Susan of Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so you can go through and you can, <laughs> you can pick out which Bluetooth headphones you want. And uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. So anyway, so you can check some of those out. But there, there's some good options on there. I thought these would be good ones for them. Yeah, those are direct linked to Amazon, but obviously you could find them at other sources as well. Yeah, and Amazon's got good pricing on headphones and Bluetooth in general. So so make sure you check those out before you make a decision and buy. But uh, yeah, I don't use them too much anymore with the uh, you know with the way that some of the, the the cheapness of some of the higher end wired headphones are. I find those to be uh, you know what I use. But um, you know if you're a, if you're a Bluetooth fan, I'll tell you for biking it doesn't get any better than being able to wear headphones and not have a wire. Uh, I love that. So that was very cool. And I'm sure there's something like that that you want to do too. There could be. And if you do like biking, Mickey, uh, I like the armbands myself. And that keeps uh, keeps the wires basically out of the way um, as you're biking. That's what I usually do for a- actually any uh, activity that I, I do with uh, uh, listening to music. Yeah, that works well. That's it for this week. If you have any questions or comments, you can give us a call to 206-203-3734. Or shoot us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. And uh, like we said, next week is going to be, uh, we'll have a show. It's going to be a special show. We're going to go over uh, some different things. And uh, we will be talking uh, about, uh, of course, what's going to be going on on the European trip that I've got coming up. So if, uh, if you don't hear a question on that one, it'll be on the next one. Don't worry. It's just that we recorded prior to when your question came in. But please send them in. We'll make sure we get them on one of the shows. So, Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.